The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. It's time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. And now, here's your hosts... John and Steven. Thank you, it's Kevin in the comics. I'm your host, John Clark. The Snyder Cut of Justice League is happening, you lucky so-and-sos. It's coming to the HBO Max, their streaming platform in 2021. But what does that mean for me, the average person? Do I like it? Do I hate it? Will I notice it? Well, Steven and I took a long time to talk this over. We have a lot of thoughts about the Snyderverse and about how Joss Whedon does superhero movies and where the DC Universe is going. Uh, and there were also a lot of Marvel Legends they talked about, so let's cover all of it. There's actually news for like the first time in two months. Yeah, well, it's inevitable that we'd get some, so it's uh, better than better late than never. I don't know. I wasn't banking on news ever until things went back. <laughs> just, there was just going to be no more news. No, that's it. Comics don't exist anymore. Yeah. Good, good luck at your old comics. Right. I did just buy um, a hardcover of the Marvel and Batmans from like the 70s and 80s. Oh, that's one? the uh, Marvel and Batman issues. Oh, the Marv Wolfman Batman. Okay. The Wolfman. The Wolfman. Oh. So uh, I'm getting that. That was like the first actual book I bought in, I don't know, months. Although this will make you very disappointed in me. I got the Spawn Artist Edition. Oh, God. Why? <laughs> um, It looks really good. <laughs> is it McFarlane or is it's it? A- McFar- yeah, it's McFarlane. It's the early issues. Ugh. He owns all the artwork. You. <laughs> I know. I told you you'd be disappointed. I uh, am. Yeah. Uh, he he never sold any of his artwork, so he had it all. So he just put out his own image, put it out. It's like the IDW size, and it's the same kind of scans where you can see white out and tape. And Yeah. I, li- I, I like that stuff. That's so gross. <laughs> yeah, I knew you wouldn't like it. No, I don't like that at all. Well, the first uh, the first volume is long sold out. He did... He did a volume of like issues one to seven. Um, it's like twice the size of any artist edition. It's like huge amount of pages, and it's sold out. It's worth like five hundred bucks now. Jesus. And there was uh, I actually sent it to you, and I'm sure you didn't click on it. But uh, Ed Piscor, who you really like, he did those X Men Grand Designs. Oh yeah, you he, did send me that. Yeah. Yeah, he did a YouTube podcast like going through every page and. Um, it's really interesting because his eye for technique, he's like, hey, w- look at the way he shades this. And uh, this is a format he was using. This is a real fast way to do this. And he must have been behind on this page. It's like he it's really in the weeds. Unfortunately for you, you'd have to look at McFarlane artwork. Right. I think I clicked on it because I do like that uh, Ed Piscor fella. I think he's yeah. a clever guy. Yeah, and, he is. And uh, he's yeah. well spoken in the podcast, too. He's right. Like, and I, I saw the subject matter, and I was like, <laughs> no. I'm okay. Well, the interesting thing is I followed Todd McFarlane on Instagram. He's been posting his Spider-Man pages lately. So I think he has all of his Spider-Man pages. Yeah, I want to say I remember reading something with the Image guys that when they had done work at Marvel prior to Image, that they had all worked on contracts where they kept all their original art. Um, because right. they were, it was this, this time where the, these artists had convinced themselves in the world that it was the art that sold the books and not <laughs> anything else. And, uh, you know, that's well, just for, the, for the, a while, for a while it was, cause back then it certainly wasn't the writing. <laughs> right. No, but I would say it's just like, uh, I, yeah, I mean, I grant you like X-Men, I reread the, I don't know, first six or eight issues of Jim Lee's X-Men and it's not yeah. terrible. Um, you know, it's uh, it's interesting stuff, but it's it's not the best X Men I've ever. You got read. some Claremont in there. You got some Fabian Nessieza in there. Yeah, but the it's the uh, you know, ninety percent of the nineties is just a completely bankrupt uh, period for comic books. Cre- creatively, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, it's but, just a dead zone. 
But that's the thing. The artist kind of, for that period, I guess it was just the trend. For that period, it was the art that sold it because when those guys started Image, most 90% of those characters were knockoff of Marvel characters and they all sold millions of copies. Yeah, I mean, it's we kind of talk about it all the time is the idea that it's, you know, uh, artists without writers don't generally produce a lot of great ideas, Jack Kirby aside, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, give right. just say what you will about, um, you know, some of the writing and well, uh, the best Jack Kirby's creator on stuff. But it's like those concepts, those characters are original characters that lasted. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> no one cares about Savage Dragon, but Dark Side's the except Eric know, Larson. Yeah, except Eric Larson, which no, you know, no insult to Eric Larson. He's a human treasure. Yeah, Savage Dragon is a fun book too. It's like I. I got the black and white essentials, so I've read like the first 30 or 50 issues, and it's really fun, but like I've never gone back. But every time I see it, I'm like, up oh, there he is. And he's one of those guys where I don't know if he puts Savage Dragon on hiatus sometimes or if he's that fast, but like every now and then he'll do a Spider-Man or a Hulk issue from Marvel. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. He might be pretty quick. Um, he did Spawn for a year. Like he and McFarlane did it together. yeah. Well, I think that just shows like McFarland really never had any interest in actually drawing comic books. Like <laughs> drawing right. comic books was just the avenue for that guy to make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah, he he's definitely a carpetbagger in comics. I mean, he's when you hear him talk, and I was I've been getting back his phone because of the Kickstarter, and there were a lot of interviews. He's clearly like a jock and a bro who's like who figured out a way to make money from nerds. <laughs> Yeah, and he's almost a bully in that way. He's almost like a bully shaking nerds down for their lunch money. Yeah, except the nerds are like willingly being like, shake me down, Mr. Mr. (laughs) (laughs) He's a bunch of dopes. Um, Yeah, yeah, I I hate to say it, but I liked that art. Like, if you show me the old Spider-Man and you show me the early spawns, I like it. I can't say it's the best ever. I think out of the image guys, probably Jim Lee was the best artist. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. I mean, there wasn't, it's like, uh, yeah, I I would agree with that. Um, the other, the other argument I have for that is that when McFarlane stopped drawing it, Greg Capullo did, and Greg Capullo started the peak of his career on Spawn. So by the time he got to Batman, he was the best guy ever. Yeah, I, uh, I've got the Peter David Hulk volume one omnibus because, uh, I've never read a lot of Hulk. And Peter David run is good. yeah, it's like he's the Hulk guy, and I keep putting off reading it because he starts his run with fucking Todd McFarlane. And I'm just Those like, issues are good, though. They're all gray Hulk. Yeah, I mean, I he like... like he fights X-Factor and Wolverine. It's Those are fun. I think the, yeah. the, the peak of that whole run, which I'm sure is not in the omnibus yet, is when Dale Keown's drawing it and he's smart Hulk. That I stuff is just amazing. In volume two, which was uh, solicited... That's the best stuff. Yeah. All run's kind of worth it. It gets a little weird because he's like Claremont on X-Men. He was on it forever. Yeah. So you think think it's going to be this epic 15-year Hulk storyline, and it's like, no, it's clearly every year he's like, I'll do this now. Like, there's there's six or seven. He doesn't meander so much as he completely shifts direction every now and then because he's like, ah, it's all Grey Hulk. Ah, now it's all Smart Hulk. Ah, now it's all Savage Hulk. And, like, He'll bring in all these characters, and then they'll all be just gone. So it's not like it's not like one long run as much as it is an era. Mm. You know, it's like reading Bronze Age Marvel because he's yeah. he's he's like mid eighties to late nineties. So we when we say the Bronze Age, you know, um, starts where with death of Gwen Stacy, roughly. Yeah, from what I, I think it all depends on who you ask, but I believe it starts from. Death of Gwen Stacy, or you could go a little earlier. Um, I tend to think it starts with Green Lantern, Green Arrow. Oh, you know, how much earlier is that than Death of Gwen Stacy, though? That's It's like 70 to – it's like Green Lantern, Green Arrow is like 70, and Gwen Stacy is like 73. You could almost say that like maybe most comic companies – and by most, let's just say DC and Marvel, you know, uh, maybe they enter the Bronze Age and the Silver Age at different times. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I mean, like, well, they definitely enter the Silver Age at different times because the Barry Allen Flash is late 50s and right. Fantastic Four is early 60s. Right. And so, I, I, I think the Bronze Age ends with the coming of the crossovers. I think Crisis and Secret Wars begin 
what what's now called the Copper Age, and that's that mid eighties. Because I, I know they were calling it Modern Age for a while, but then you can't really call anything the Modern Age <laughs> when it's when it's thirty is, years old. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's like it can't be called the Modern Age when you know time keeps moving on. I'm you know? seeing I'm seeing a lot of people say Copper Age, which is like eighty five to like I think into nineties. Because yeah, then it's it sure. then it's really marketing driven crossovers and special covers and as we were just saying the image guys that are art over substance right and then the proliferation the boom and the proliferation of all those comic companies and I think that stops with the crash which is like ninety four uh, between ninety four and ninety five which ironically is when I started publishing so like. Yeah. <laughs> my first I've told this story, but my first issue sold twenty five thousand. My last issue sold six hundred. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think that ends that period. So I think that early eighties, which is my favorite run, like the Jim Shooter Marvel, I think that's late Bronze Age. Like yeah. Frank Miller Daredevil, John Byrne, Fantastic Four, I, um, I think that Claremont be- and anyone on X Men, Roger Stern on Spider Man. Right. I think that might kind of be my favorite era, too, because I was looking at the, um, you know, you've got that Justice League Bronze Age omnibus. No, now you have it. (laughs) Well, not yet, but eventually, yeah. But next time we see each other in person, you'll give me money and you'll walk out with it. Yeah. Well, they gave, um, there's two volumes of it that they've printed. And I, uh, my favorite issue of Justice League, one of my old customers uh raved about it one day so i went out and got a copy on ebay for super cheap it's uh just league of america number 200 have you ever read this book yeah no i have it and uh when you heard about it you came over and said do you have it and i showed you right my, my copy right. um i think and, my copy's gone i sold off my justice leagues but yeah it was george perez wasn't it um i think it was one of those issues where maybe a couple different artists because it's out. a big it's a big anniversary book. It's an anniversary, but it's basically like the old Justice League fights the new Justice League. And, uh, you know, I'm all about stuff like that. But yeah, I you thought, are. oh, man, this is like peak Justice League. This is what I'm looking for. And the Justice League omnibus you have is like hundreds of issues before that. Yeah. It's like, I guess I got my timelines mixed up because I yeah, thought it could come much later. No, I think that I think 200 is in the 80s. Yeah. I think it's like early 80s. Yeah, so it's like right at the tail end of like Justice League stuff before they do the switch up for um, like Justice League International. Yeah, well, and that's post crisis. Like, right. Uh, crisis. It's weird because Justice League of America kind of kept going after crisis and it was a terrible era. It's like the Vixen and Vibe era. Oh, it's the Detroit Justice League. Yeah, because then Legends, Legends is the next year. Legends was the next crossover and that launched Justice League International. Right. And I love Legends. That's, uh, yeah, that's Legends John, John Byrne. Yeah, and John Ostrander writing. Yeah. And it's like they they all fight Darkseid. It's great. Right. Yeah, that's a good story. Um, And then I think John Byrne's Superman starts after Legends, right? Um, Or around that time. Byrne was really fast. Yeah. So he was doing a couple books. I mean, he was doing Fantastic Four and Alpha Flight at the same time right before that. It shows an alpha fight, but I'm yeah, we talked about that. You, <laughs> yeah. you could tell out of his monthly schedule, it was three weeks on Fantastic Four, one week on Alpha Flight. Yeah, there's a lot. I had that omnibus and sold it because there's a lot of issues. I'm like, where are the backgrounds? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't think much of it. You had mentioned that, and then I noticed, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess the backgrounds are pretty sparse. And then there were like two or three issues of the run in the omnibus that I read where it's like they get caught in like a snowstorm. Yeah, and that's a bunch of word balloons on white pages. And you're just yeah, like, it's for five who, pages. Who said this was OK? Just delay the book, you know, just delay the book a month and, you know, <laughs> let him catch up. Yeah, I think that might have been that assistant editor's month. Yeah, uh, make, they had that in they, they did that one year, I think was 84 where basically they said uh, San Diego invited every single editor. So they were like, oh, we'll let the assistant editors do all the books that one month. And they were like, we'll make it a crazy event. Yeah. They all did something like, really you know, silly. It's not a terrible idea. In the oh, it's fun. Thing. And there's, looking back, it's fun. Uh, yeah, there's been a lot of stinkers <laughs> coming yeah, John, out of that uh, company. So it was nice to see something that kind of worked. It reminded me of uh, Nuff Said, which was the Joe Quesada yeah. event where every book had no dialogue. Yeah, and some of those were great and some of those yeah. were terrible, you know? Yeah, it depends it's on the writers. 
Yeah, it depends on the writers and the artists that can put it together. I think my my favorite one out of those, there's a Peter Parker when Paul Jenkins was writing it. And that's uh, enough said. That's really good. And I think it's uh, Mark, oh, Bucking- um, Mark is, Buckingham. The one with um, – oh, no. You know what I'm thinking of? I'm thinking of the, the Ramita one where – Oh, um, during Straczynski. Yeah, that was a great issue too. Is um, uh, Aunt May finds out Sp- Peter Parker's Spider Man. She finds his costume, and it's yeah. just a silent issue of her just like processing it. It was actually a really nice um, way to kind of run that uh, that's issue. That's that's Straczynski run. That first omnibus is worth it, and then when Ramita leaves, it just falls in a crap. It's so weird because Ramita clearly wasn't plotting or co-writing, but he did all of the good issues. And yes. then it was like Diodato um, and some other guys coming in. And all of those stories are awful. They're really bad. And I uh, very, very much dislike Diodato. <laughs> and uh, so I, I keep wanting to get that omnibus. And then I have to remind myself how much I despised the later half of that run. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get volume two of that run. Yeah. That's, and I don't think not, a lot of other people are because it's yeah, weird. It might it's not a, come out. <laughs> Spider-Man eats a guy's face. Gwen yeah, Stadium in a crossover. Or had children. They, you know, it was consensual. It, it's real bad. Uh, the only thing that's kind of good is Ron Garney draws the Civil War tie-ins. Yeah. Those great, are pretty uh, good. The Back in Black story was uh, awesome. The, yeah, the, I think that's Ron still Garney. Garney. Yeah, yeah, that's still Garney. There's a great fight with the Kingpin. Him and Kingpin, and yeah, Spider-Man basically goes to prison where Kingpin is and just uh, takes his mask off and beats the tar out of yes. in front of everybody. And it yeah, was it's right. It, it's funny. It was one of those marketing gimmicks. It was like Spider-Man 3 was coming out, so Marvel's like, let's put him back in the black costume because the black costume's in Spider-Man 3. But right. those stories are good. The stories are actually decent. Yeah, it's uh, it's not my favorite Spider-Man, and but it's uh, it's unfortunate that it's couched inside this like terrible later half of an otherwise very good writer's uh, run. Shazinski, um, his Thor run is awesome, but same thing, he couldn't handle his book being dragged into a crossover, which. I hate to break it to Straczynski, but that's the fucking way comics work for the last 20 years. Yeah, well, uh, Peter David was the same way. Peter David ended up giving up X Factor because there was too many crossovers. And I think it's like I I get the frustration, but it's like you got to roll with the punches there, guy. You know, it's like it's it's how the business is run. Not saying that's how the business should be run, but if that's the way it's run, you can't just, you know, take your toys and go home. You know, I just read the the uh, inbox. I just read the Peter David epic collections for his X Factor run. Okay. And he is dragged kicking and screaming into Executioner's song. Yeah. Where he is the only one in that story that refuses to give up his subplots. So in that story, there's like five pages. I think it's like Quicksilver's in the hospital, so he's not involved in the story. There's like five pages of these characters he introduced two issues before in a hospital, like watching Quicksilver. Wow. And when you read that as a crossover, you're like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. And then when you read the run, you're like, oh, my God, he does. He does not want to write this he main story. He's like, he's like, all right, Strife and Cable. But here's my guys. And it's like it pleases nobody. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, it's rare that it happens, but I do think it's possible to incorporate the crossover into your arc and keep your own momentum going. Um it, I, I think that's hard to do, and I understand that. Very hard, yeah. Right, but I think it's like it's, it's part of the game, baby. You gotta you gotta play. Well, uh, speaking of compromises that made nobody happy, the big news this week is the release the Snyder Cut petition worked, and Warner Brothers is spending twenty million dollars for yeah. Zack Snyder to finish the original version of Justice League, and it will premiere on HBO Max, which is the Warner Brothers Disney Plus. In 2021, and people are excited, and I don't know why. Well, it's gross. It's it's just like it's like the grossest elements of our society getting what they want. Um, yeah, you know what? It's like it's like when Trump beat impeachment, he became a much much worse person. Yes. Like, what is this gonna do well, to these Snyder Bros? And the, yeah, exactly. It's emboldening them. And I I think the issue here is that like um. Uh, that movie was a pile of garbage that another director tried to piece together to make it, uh, you know, p- p- polish a shit, essentially. 
Yeah. And then it's like, okay, so now the original guy who originally made the shit pile is going to then try to make it his original vision with footage that doesn't probably exist, right? It's like he he, I, he left think, the project. You know? Yeah, but I, I think he was finished shooting, but Warner Brothers already wasn't happy because of Batman versus Superman. So they wanted him to do a lot of these reshoots. And then when he left, Joss Whedon was like, not only will I do the reshoots, but I'm going to rewrite it. Yeah. And it is like totally schizophrenic. The thing I never get, and we talked about this several times, is that, okay, you have this movie, Justice League is two movies. I tried watching it yesterday with all the snooze, and I got about 45 minutes in and turned it off. <laughs> um, but but you have the a Justice League movie, which everybody wants. It's like all the DC characters. Yeah. It is made by two different directors. One, the guy who made Batman versus Superman and Watchmen. And the other one is the guy who made Avengers. Which movie are you more likely to watch again? Avengers or Batman versus Superman? Right. And if anyone is like, well, I like Batman versus Superman more than the Avengers. There are those people out there, and that's There fine. are those people, yeah. But just look at the box office receipts. The public has told us what the more popular movie is by far. One shattered every global box office record in history, and the other one has an abysmal Rotten Tomato score. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. It's like, just which look is, at the numbers. Which is also why I think they're hedging their bets, and they're like, yeah, we'll put it out on this streaming platform that no one seems very excited about. Right. And, you know, it was like it's like CBS having new Star Trek on it. It's like, nobody cares about our platform, but if we give this rabid fan base if we throw them some peanuts they'll come and show up and you know what it does work because i i'm still paying for cbs all access and picard ended two months ago right i'm not i'm not even watching anything on it i just keep forgetting to cancel it right and that's what they hope on there right they bank on people forgetting to cancel these things although netflix just announced if you don't use netflix for i think it's like a year or two years they're going to cancel your account and i'm like why would you want to do that? Because you're just getting money for free from these jerks right. that forgot to cancel their account. I wonder if it's something I do with like throwing off their numbers. You know what I mean? Where it shows like there's users that aren't using it and it makes maybe not look good. There's got to be some kind of reason. They or do, like, a lot of people are complaining, hey, I didn't know how to cancel and you didn't let me. Right. And, and I want all my money back because I haven't used this in a year. I'm sure there's got to be some reason. But I. But I would assume most streaming platforms live off you just not clicking on it. Right. I do wonder, is like this thing with this like Snyder Cut, uh, I think it's it's a lot like it just seems like a bunch of whiny brats whined enough to get their way. Yeah, but I just don't I, I just don't understand why they wanted it. Like, well, well, I think it's it's the were same. Were they super like, into Batman versus Superman? No, that's what I'm saying is I think these are people that disagree aesthetically with your tastes so much that they actually probably really liked Man of Steel and probably really liked Batman versus yeah. Superman. It's like when we like what they it's like when, this It's like when we went to see Venom. Yes. And exactly. uh, I'm not I'm not denigrating anybody. But when I was sitting in that theater, I felt very out of place. I thought the movies, like the honestly, when I look back at the movies, fine in an Aquaman kind of way. I'm like, this is kind of crazy and it's kind of dumb. But it didn't offend me, and I'm like, fine. There's a Venom movie and it's silly. Um, so I don't hate Venom, but there were everyone in that room. I have no nothing in common with. It's also like when like uh, when I'm into Spawn now. I've been buying some of the old Spawn figures on eBay, and I'd say half of them smell like cigarettes. Right. It's like a certain type of fan, and I think those are the Justice League guys. No, I think it is the same guys because it's it's the same guys that would come into the store, and you'd see them you know, once every six months. They'd walk the shelves. They'd ask you if you had anything for Spawn or anything for Venom, and then they'd tell you how much they loved you know, <laughs> Carnage as a kid and thought he was a great villain. Uh, sorry, Danny. And then they they'd leave without buying anything. They're they're um you know there's nothing wrong with that, but it is a different cut of person uh that likes that kind of stuff. And I do yeah. think these are people that genuinely think Justice League is a better movie than 
Avengers. And God bless them. You know, you know, you're entitled to your opinion. It's wrong, but you are entitled to it. You know, it's like. And in one way, I'm actually, I'm actually, I'm curious about this movie because um, I I know I'm not going to enjoy it, but I am curious to see what this movie was like without compromise, because Justice League is a very compromised movie. Well, do you think it can be uncompromised? I mean, he can't film anything anymore, right? He's not going to get uh, no. Ben Affleck to come back and Henry Cavill to come back and play these characters. He's limited by how much footage is shot. But they, they gave him $20 million, and that can all go into CG. Sure. So I think, I think he can... Uh, I think he can CG everybody he wants because a lot of those battles are CG Justice League fighting CG demons in a sure. CG landscape. Right. So he doesn't – I have – that would be interesting. I would not be surprised if they said – if they made an announcement and they were like, uh, Gal Gadot and Jason Momoa are coming back. Like right. the the members of that cast that are continuing those characters, like I could see Ben Affleck – uh, and maybe even Henry Cable going, nah, I'm not doing that. But like Gal Gadot, who just made another Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. and Jason Momoa, who will conceivably make another Aquaman, and Ezra Klein, who's been waiting in the wings to make a Flash, it wouldn't surprise me if they came back into new scenes. But yeah. from what the people that were all released, the Snyder Cut released the Snyder Cut, they said it was finished principal photography. So it's all post. Yeah, I'll say two things is that the first is that uh, I agree that it won't be good Um, to the degree of how bad it will be. I am morbidly curious. I think it'll be worse than what we got. Well, most certainly. But I might is is like, is it just going to be worse? Like Batman versus Superman was worse. Or is it like Zack Snyder going to double down on everything? and, And it's like now he's like a spoiled kid who is just kind of being like, you guys wouldn't let me make this movie the first time. Now I'm going to make the movie I really should have made. And he's going to run harder into that direction. I I think you're right because I was reading an article about how um, Snyder was already going through the studio notes. Like, make it lighter. Make it more fun. Wonder Woman was a hit. Show Wonder Woman more. I um, I think he can ignore those notes now. Yeah, because uh, he was he was kind of the studio was pushing him to make the movie that Whedon made. And then he dropped out. I right. think he doesn't even have to start down that path anymore. I think it can be this dark, uh, humorless, unrelenting movie where everyone acts out of character, where, you know, things like Batman vs. Superman has some really awful offensive stuff as a fan in it. Like Ma yeah. Kent tells Clark Kent not to care about people. <laughs> yeah, well, that happened. That started in Man of Steel. Pa Kent, uh, you know, yells at Clark for saving a bus full of kids when he he was like a teenager, and he's like, "Should I just have let him die?" And he's just like, "Maybe." And it's like, <laughs> yeah, this is the guy that gives Clark Kent his moral compass. Nine seasons of Smallville were based on this, and seventy-five years of Superman comics are all based on Jonathan Kent being the moral compass that Clark Kent based his belief sign and Zack Snyder's just like nah he's a dick yeah it's and I guess that's what people that's what these guys like about it because like I said I could not finish Justice League but you know what that first scene I think this is where my opinion really diverges from the people that want the Snyder cut that first scene with the kid on his phone talking to Superman and he's like interviewing him and the kids are arguing and he says like hey what do you like best about Earth and like Henry Cable just kind of looks and smiles I love that moment because I'm like, oh, that's Superman, and that's absolutely a Whedon thing. And the guys that released the Snyder Cut are all bitching about his CG'd out mustache in that scene. Right. And I'm like, no, but that he got the character because Whedon obviously, Whedon obviously gets these characters. Whether you're a big fan of his or not, it, you look at Avengers, you look at uh, the scenes, the char- all the character scenes in Justice League are just Whedon. He threw out everything. All the character scenes Snyder did, rewrote his own scenes. What he couldn't change was the action set pieces and the plot, obviously. Right. But apparently Darkseid is going to be in the Snyder cut. 
Yeah, and I'm sure it's going to be uh, terrible. I, uh, you know, I, like again, I'm morbidly curious to see how bad it's going to be. Yeah. And, and here's the thing is, like, if anyone's like, oh, well, you just, you know, hate Zack Snyder, blah, blah, blah. Go back and listen to the episode we did before Man of Steel came out. I was silly excited for that movie. You guys you were. Know? I didn't even go and you guys came back and you were like, and you, at the time you were like, it's good. I got problems with the ending. And it's one of those things where then when Batman versus Superman came out, you're like, oh, all the things I didn't like about Man of Steel are magnified. Now I really don't like Man of Steel. Right. It got he, he just doubled down on all the things that sucked about Man of Steel. Uh, so, yeah, I, I you know, and it's frustrating because I think the cast is good. It's like uh, it's the it's the things that they're doing that's stupid. You know, yeah. Batman's basically murdering every person he gets his hands on. Aquaman's riding on the Batmobile like an asshole. It's just yeah. like it's just stupid. stupid. And you're right about the cast because both Wonder Woman and Aquaman. I don't think they're perfect movies by any stretch. No. Uh, but 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 they're both good. They're good in those movies. And you know yeah. what? I I want to see Wonder Woman 1984 whenever it comes out. Right. Um, and we've said DC has been on an upward trend. I really enjoyed Birds of Prey. I really enjoyed Shazam. Aquaman was insane, but it was fun. Uh, yeah, Joker, J- Joker, Joker know. like took the world by storm last year. People couldn't stop talking about Joker. Right. But I do think this is, uh, it's just like, uh, the, the, the sooner we can get beyond, <laughs> uh, Zack Snyder's version and vision for the DC universe, the better. I, it's like, I think it's like, uh, I love the Justice League. Uh, I love team books. I've, uh, I've got hundreds of fucking Justice League comic books. And it's like, uh, it's a great team. Uh, unfortunately, we're not going to get a live action version of it that's going to resemble what it should be. You know, it doesn't have to be uh, carbon copy of the comics. No, none of these things should be, you know, it's like you take what works and, you know, write your own stories, you know. If yeah, you, Marvel's proven that really well. Right. I mean, those those movies are radically different from the comics and they, they shouldn't be just like the comics. I've already read the comics, like give me something different. Um, you know, for, for like the Justice League, it's like the, the best um, uh, high level media, if you want to rank movies at the top and comics at the bottom um is the uh justice league the animated series that bruce tim did he's like all the characters you would never get confused which character was saying what every line of dialogue sounded like those characters you know it's like he had the dynamic of the team figured out he had these big stories he did dark side great it's like all those subtleties and nuances that made that show work really well Uh, you know Zack snyder's just like Nah, make Superman murder people. <laughs> you know, it's just like make him just stand there and sigh when a bomb goes off, and he's just gonna be sad. It's like, dude, he's Superman. Yeah, it's like I, I still have... pee in a jar. It's like, what is going on? Yeah, look through the Peter jar. Made a guy eat a Jolly Rancher. Put a yeah. bomb in a guy's wheelchair next to Clark Kent that he couldn't see with his X-ray vision or, or hear. hear. Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, yeah. That's the thing with those movies is if you're fans of these characters and for a long time, we judged superhero movies on how close they were to the comics. But as you said, now we're at the point where we've gotten so many that it's like, all right, what can you do that's good? But don't break the characters while you're doing it. Right. And Batman vs. Superman just flagrantly breaks every character it comes into contact with. Absolutely. And I And that started in – you know, Man of Steel, this has been consistent through this, is this guy's just kind of disregards how these characters are supposed to behave. I think it's like, I, I honestly, I'm not trying to be like a wise guy here, but I, I, September 11th traumatized everybody to some extent. And I think- Broke Frank Miller. Yes. And I think we got to a point where, you know, you, these big scenes, like the end scene in Avengers, where the city, New York is under siege, and then in Man of Steel, where Metropolis is under siege by Zod. Those are two very destructive scenes. A lot of people are getting killed, and there's a lot of destruction. Very, and very different approaches to it, and I think. Yes. And that's, that's where the Clash in Justice League comes in. Right. Because Whedon, Whedon is trying to turn, turn that final battle into the battle for New York and Avengers. Right. And he doesn't have the resources at the time to do it. 
Right. And, you know, and it's just, they are very different scenes. There's more destruction in Man of Steel than in Avengers. And there's more showing the Avengers trying to help people get, uh, you know, get clear. There's very few scenes of Superman trying to save anybody during that fight. And you just see buildings getting knocked over. And I never heard this term until there was an, I think Mark Wade wrote an article about this about destruction porn yes. is we all got traumatized watching September 11th happen on live television. And now, you know, Zack Snyder amongst other people internalize that somehow. And they're, that's what they want to see in their superhero movies is they want to see Zod knock over six blocks of Metropolis sky rises. And it's like, okay, yes, a character like that could do that. But like, you know, it's like, it's kind of like, why? Why are we, why is this your big set piece to just I always thought I always thought that was just the budget run amok where in the days of like the Tim Burton Batman or even the Christopher Reeves Superman that was as much as they could do. I mean, uh, I love that Tim Burton Batman movie. It's it's wacky. But yeah. I mean, Gotham City is two blocks long because they had to build all of it. There was no CG. And I think it's one of those where Superman like not Superman, he, a damn cracks. That's about the most destruction you see in that original Superman. And he right. picks up a car here or there. And I think it's one of those like, hey, we have the budget and the CG to wreck a building. And then somebody's like, no, we have the budget and the CG to wreck seven buildings. Yeah, it's like. The- and I think so. it gets to an irresponsible point where nobody asked, okay, but what does that mean for the people that are involved in this wreckage? Right. I, I think it might not occur to them, and they're like, more, bigger, this has to be the movie of the summer. And it's, it's it's yeah, I get, you know, wanting to scale things up to, you know, the the higher the stakes, the greater the hero type thing. But then the, even the messaging of, if you look at it as like a trilogy, you know, Man of Steel, Superman vs. Batman, and then Justice League, it's, the messaging's all over the place. You know, Superman's never really accepted in Man of Steel, and then by the time we get the Justice League, uh, you know, people are against him. Then he gets murdered, and then he's this great hero the whole world worship that's just like... Right, no- and I think that's Ooh. a... Yeah, and that, that I think is a Whedon addition of people being sad about Superman, and that always bothered me because I felt like Whedon was writing the comic book Superman. Yeah. Where it's like, okay, that is how people would feel if the comic book Superman died, but... That's not the Superman that Snyder made. I right. think, you know, you know, it always reminds me of the, that first Fantastic Four movie, which is abominable. Now it's just it's a curiosity be, yeah. because now it's just weird because Captain America is Human Torch. Yeah. In that movie. But the final battle they have with Doctor Doom, even in the theater, they like they wreck the city and they finally stop him. And there's a crowd that starts applauding. And even the first time I saw it, I'm like, why are they applauding? This is a personal fight that destroyed half the city. Right. Dr. Doom didn't threaten anybody. Right. He's like, just, just want to revenge him against the Fantastic Four, and they broke a bunch of other people's buildings. Right. Yeah, I think it's like uh, it's when this stuff isn't kind of thought through of like, what are the stakes? Why is this happening? What's going on? It's like, um, you know, you just kind of lose the thread. And I, and I don't think like um, – these films had nothing going for them. You know, Zack Snyder does have a a, a certain aesthetic that works right. that works really well. He he lights things really interestingly. He does really nice shots. It's just he's missing the meat and potatoes of the um, necessary components to make a good movie. He had a great cast. I didn't yeah. mind Ben Affleck as Batman. I thought Henry Cavill was a decent Superman. Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot is great as Wonder yeah. Woman. The Flash isn't great, but it's like, you know, there's bound to be a stinker. Everyone gets a Hawkeye, you know? It's yeah. like... Jason um, Momoa Jason Momoa is a fun choice for Aquaman. Right. I think it's like, I do miss, you know, Aquaman in the orange shirt, but, you know, uh, Barbarian... Well, they put him... Aquaman that was, but that was the end of Aquaman. He put on an yeah, orange armor shirt. Right, right. And the other but thing I, is, the, the thing about... Yeah, but the thing about Jason Momoa, hiring Jason Momoa, going back to Peter David, is that... He embodies that 90s hook yes. hand Aquaman. And I'm like, okay, you're going with this version, which I, it's a version I like. Yeah. I mean, it's a, we talked about the Bruce Tim show. That's the Conan or the Aquaman, Conan of the Sea, you know, character yeah. where he's this like barbarian king. That's the version Bruce Tim used in the, you know, Justice League show. Right. 
and it worked really, really well. And I, so, you know, it's a valid version of the character. I just, you know, it's, uh, I, it's the same thing with like Captain Marvel is I like what they do with the character. And I'm, uh, uh, I, I think there's something missing because we don't get the original version. So it's like we have Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel. That movie was really good. She did a fantastic job. I'm super happy with it. But we, we aren't going to get like the classic Marvel. You know, right. we're not never going to see classic Aquaman. Uh, right. Aquaman well, is now Barbarian King. You know, that's yeah, the yeah. only version of him we get. Although that brings up another interesting point is that. With the DC universe is so fractured now where it's just like no movie has to connect with each other. That's obviously working for them when they, when they make things like Aquaman and Joker that don't connect whatsoever. I think it might be one of the things that hurt Birds of Prey. Um, if people knew about it, I think they were like, oh, this is a sequel to Suicide Squad and, I, and that movie's dumb. Right. Whereas Joker's like a brand new thing. That's the other thing about this Justice League movie. I saw an article. It's like, what does this mean for the continuity of the DC universe? If they change the story completely, how will like the next Wonder Woman movie react to it? And it's like, is and basically people were arguing, is the Snyder Cut going to be canon because it doesn't get a theatrical release and it will most certainly contradict the theatrical version? But I think none of that matters now. Is that the continuity is out the window? It's like this thing is going to be. I kind of think it's the capper to the Snyder DC verse, which was a failure. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think it's like if you really want it to count, sure, it counts. And every movie that came after Justice League, not the Snyder Cut Justice League, but the original theatrical release of Justice League doesn't exist in that continuity. And just watch your Snyderverse version. Here's the thing. You know, if everyone wants Zack Snyder to make a Justice League movie so badly— uh, which apparently there's enough people to generate, you know, uh, the, the, the $20 million cost. Yeah, and, and I will say it's like $20 million is no, not nothing to sneeze at, but it's like it's pennies to the studio when they're desperate for content. And this idiot sitting at home with an editing studio can put this thing together. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like there's they're not shooting anything else. Nothing else is coming out. This is reeks of desperation more than anything else. Well, However, if good, you want Zack Snyder point. to make a movie so bad – have him make the crime syndicate movie, you know, take the justice league, make them bad guys and make that movie. It's like, you're already halfway there, buddy. They're yeah, all, you, assholes. you might as well make them villains. You could argue that he already did. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Uh, speaking of desperation, that's a really good point. There's not much you can shoot. Now. The other thing of desperation is HBO is doing this launch. I think the pressure for streaming platforms went way up after Disney plus because Disney plus overperformed to Disney's expectations. And a lot of that rode on the Mandalorian. So it's like, what made Disney Plus so big? Yeah, you could watch Gargoyles again, and you could watch DuckTales, and you could see Cinderella. But really what drove Disney Plus was the Mandalorian. And yeah, I think I, I think HBO looked at their streaming platform like, we don't have a Mandalorian. Oh, but if we redid Justice League, we could make that our Mandalorian. Yeah, and I think that maybe they're kind of missing the mark on it because it's like uh, The Mandalorian's a show. It's a it's an original concept in the sense where it's not just rehashing. I mean, how much new footage is there even going to be in the Snyder Cut? You know what I mean? It's like if the movie could be, okay, now it's three hours long. There's an extra 40 yeah. minutes of content. There's a, a rumor that it might be a series. Like, there's a rumor that there's so much footage that it might just be a limited series. Like, uh, Tarantino did that with Hateful Eight on Netflix. Yeah. He put in so much extra footage that it's a six-episode series, which I heard is not that good. And I like Hateful Eight, but it takes a, it takes a lot of time. I don't need to see three more hours of it. Right. That's why uh, I haven't watched The Irishman, because it's like, uh, I don't have that kind yeah, of time. No, The Irishman's... <laughs> you know? <laughs> Irishman's one of those movies that I was fine with watching it, and then I looked back and I was like, ah. Oh, yeah, but, I, it's but let's just... Seg yeah. Let's segue from uh, something controversial to something everybody likes. So with San Diego being canceled, we're starting to see the things that are the big panels, and usually our July is like, hey, this was covered at a big panel they made this big announcement um you're that's starting to go more and more online and this hasbro did uh fourth friday for may the fourth which has always been kind of the that's when they have the big star wars celebration 
convention. Uh, obviously, it didn't happen this year, but they made a lot of announcements about uh, they they announced that Taika Waititi was going to direct Star Wars at that point. And Hasbro showed a lot of new product. Their Black Series, which is like their Marvel Legends figures. They're like, we're going to do a two-pack with Luke and Yoda. We're going to do a Han and Carbonite. This is the 40th anniversary of Empire Strikes Back. We're going to put them all on counter cards. So that was so successful that this week they were like, we're going to do it for Marvel Legends now. And they had uh, a live stream of like the three brand marketers uh, showing some new product. And I think this is the way all the companies are going to go forward. Yeah. Yeah, I saw the uh, card package for them, and it's the exact... I mean, I was buying Spider-Man action figures in the 90s that looked just like this. It's like, it's crazy. Well, they did the Toy Biz Marvel in the early 90s two years ago. Uh, they did two sets of that, um, because you got a couple of those. The Wasp was in there, Black Panther, Vision, yeah. Spider-Man, uh, Punisher, Iron Man. They were all slight repaints. Uh, and then last year they did X-Men. They did the 90s X-Men, and that had Silver Samurai and Storm and uh, Wolver John Buscema Wolverine and X-Factor Cyclops. This year it's Spider-Man. Uh, I It's weird because I've been at the point for the last couple weeks where I've been in my house, as we all are, for months. So I'm like – so I'm selling stuff. I'm like I don't need this. I don't need this. I don't need this. Also, last week, my basement flooded. We got a foot of water in my basement. Yeah, that's crazy. And that's where I keep uh, my guitars and my music, uh, musical gear, but I also keep all my comic books and action figures. So we were hauling all that stuff upstairs, and I'm like, why do I own all this stuff? So I'm just selling, 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 selling. So while I'm selling, I looked at the next couple of sets of Marvel Legends, and I'm like, you know what? I don't have to have the Age of Apocalypse. Uh, I <laughs> You know, I told you that when you bought it. You know? I, yeah, well, I didn't buy them, but they're coming out now, and I'm like, you know what? I don't need alternate versions of all the X-Men again. I don't have the space for this. Um, there's a set based on the Avengers video game coming out. I'm like, I don't need that version. I saw the Spider-Man Retro immediately pre-ordered them. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're uh, they're pretty awesome. They're I, fun. They're, yeah. they're And that's what it is. It's like fun. It's like uh, how many different versions of Wolverine do we need? We don't. But it's yeah. cool to get classic Electro with his stupid starfish mask. But even that Spider-Man, I don't need any more Spider-Mans. And I saw that one, I'm like, that's a good Spider-Man. Right. And then there's a, there's a Gwen Stacy. There's a, a Green Goblin with a switchable Norman Osborn head who's in like the pink and green with the big eyes. Yeah. There's a classic Electro. There's a 90s Scott McDaniel Daredevil for some reason. Yeah, it's so weird. Everything in it is like kind of the 90s animated series and kind of Ditko, except right. for 90s Daredevil. Yeah, I think it's like I don't mind them doing the, um, uh, what do you call it? Like the one character in the set that's kind of like random, because like where else does that Daredevil go? <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? It's like if they're going to do a Daredevil set, they're going to put like Electron, Bullseye, and you know, Mr. Hyde or whoever in it, they're not going to do 90s armored <laughs> Daredevil. And that's becoming clear to me now with Hasbro as opposed to Toy Biz when they used to do a Spider-Man line and an Iron Man line and a Fantastic Four line and an X-Men line. I think Hasbro just makes Marvel characters and then they figure out where they go. Yeah, I think that's that I would say is fair. You know, and we're like, saying, oh, it looks like we made enough X-Men to make an X-Men set. Yeah, and, and every now and then they're like, ah, and this one's at Walgreens. And this one's right. on Amazon. It's like, why was there a new Magneto at Amazon? Cause, just because there was. Just because. Yeah. Uh, they did announce a uh, classic Moon Knight that's going to Walgreens. Yeah, I saw the Moon Knight, and he looks cool. Um, yeah, I, uh, I didn't see anybody in the set I want, which is good, because, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, I was all about Spider-Man. Yeah, there's also so much you can get. They announced it recently, but they showed it again. They, they're also re-releasing... Uh, the Build-A-Figure Kingpin as the deluxe figure. They're starting... They actually talked about this. They're starting to do that a lot more now because they did it with Venom. Um, They did it with Archangel, but he was a hard-to-find figure. They're going to do it with Age of Apocalypse Apocalypse. Is They've kind of created this like $30 niche where they're like, all right, the Build-A-Figure from two years ago that people are paying $80 for, let's repaint him, and he, now he's $30. Right. Uh, Which I'm fine with because I the Kingpin's got... He's got purple pants and he's got a newly sculpted ascot and an orange vest. Well, that's the you know that's how you know they're your um, 
they really take the time to get it right when they re-sculpt his ascot, you know? <laughs> yes, and they said on the live stream, and by the way, if you go to our Facebook page, uh, there's a link to the whole live stream. It was saved. They said there was some back and forth on whether they should pay for the ascot, and they had eventually decided, yes, we should. I love that that's an actual argument that professionals were having, <laughs> Yeah, you know, about their future toy line. That's just great. Yeah, the, and they're also in that category. Now they're starting to do figures that just have lots and lots of accessories. There's like a white Black Widow that just had a ton of explosions for 30 bucks, And now they announced Classic War Machine, which is just going to have lots of explosions Gun. coming out of his guns. And I'm like, yeah, yeah fine. I will pay $30 for this. I'm not going to blink. They showed Mysterio. Mysterio was very hard to find a couple of years ago. And they repainted him. I'm like, well, that I don't need. It's the same sculpt. I totally don't need him. And then I looked at them side by side, and I'm like, yeah, but the new one has gold gloves and gold boots <laughs> and gold eyes. And then Ridiculous. and then this is what they did. You know the um, you know how you take the you can take the bubble off Mysterio and he's got this weird ghost head with like a snake coming out of his mouth? Yeah. They're like, Yeah, we changed the head. Now it's a normal head, but a ghost head. And I was like, Fuck you, Hasbro. That's how they get you. That's how I they get me. I'll tell you that. The uh, the accessories is uh, is, uh, you know, the kind of bread and butter of it is it's like they could take a character they've already made twice or seven times or a hundred times, give them a couple different heads, give them a couple of different hands, change his costume a little bit, clip a little things on him, and uh, we're good to go. You know. Yeah, we'll get him again. Now, now that you're starting to collect Avengers. I just got the Walmart Black Widow, which is the 80s Black Widow. She has the short red hair and the leather jacket and the gray suit. She looks phenomenal. Yeah. Um, are you tempted to branch out and get like 80s Black Widow or classic War Machine? Well, I've been uh, tempted to get the Black Widow because she looks incredible. She uh, really, And out of the package, she looks amazing. Yeah, and that is that's like when I started reading comics here and there, uh, the jacket Avengers were the Avengers that I was I was uh, first exposed to. I think it's like uh, I'd say uh, I'd like to say no, but uh, I think I've seen the Cyclops you have with the leather jacket, and if they yeah. make Black Knight in a leather jacket with a power sword, I'm gonna have a very 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 hard time not getting that, and then that. We go back and get Black Widow. You, you, <laughs> real, you really like superheroes wearing leather jackets. I really do. Yeah, I think how is it jacket is that's where it's at for me. How is it that you don't own a Logan or a Gambit yet? Um, well, because uh, they overdo it, I think. I think uh, <laughs> a Gambit especially, I think, kind of became like the epitome of all all that was wrong <laughs> with the 90s uh, to some extent. Um, More than Spawn? <laughs> Well, yeah, let's in in the sensible realm of wrongness, you know what I mean? It's like Spawn is so far outside the realm of what should be acceptable. <laughs> I think Gambit's pushing it with the head sock, the metal boots, and the the leather jacket and the fingerless gloves. I always thought it was weird that he's wearing like he's wearing a casual coat, but he's got armor underneath. Yeah, because and it's I, pink I, and blue. Yeah, I. I could be wrong, but I think the pink and blue like armor, that's his like superhero costume, right? It's not like yeah. Gambit regular clothes and then he just threw a coat over it cuz he's like a cool casual guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's between there's a lot of weirdness going on cuz I remember I remember when uh I had dropped X-Men in the late 80s, so I missed the debut of all these characters. And then when the animated series came out and when the figures came out, when that first set of X-Men figures came out, it was all the characters I knew because it was Colossus and Brown Wolverine and Nightcrawler and X-Factor Cyclops, and it was where I had left the X-Men. So I got all of those. And then the next year, it got modern, and it was Wolverine in the yellow and, like, the New Mutants uniform, and he was back to the Tiger Stripe, and then there was Gambit, and I didn't know what any of this stuff was. And I remember picking up Gambit. Remember that first one was wearing a garbage bag? Yeah, I, I had that figure. It was terrible. Yeah, and seeing him out of context, I'm like, I just don't understand what's going on with this guy. Because he's wearing he's wearing a coat, and then he's got armor, and then he's got – this was the first time I saw the head sock. Oh, yeah. And, I, and I'm like, he's wearing a mask that – Doesn't expose, cover his face. No, it, it exposes his identity, and that's all it does. It covers his ears. And sometimes it didn't. Sometimes it would draw his ears in. 
And I never understood the tactical advantage of covering the sides of your face, but not your hair or your face. Yeah, it's weird. I they that design was kind of like prevalent because, you know, I first met Gambit uh, on the X-Men cartoon, you know, and he had the head sock. But then like Havoc had the head sock. And then, like, a bunch of guys in, like, Genosha had the head sock. Yeah. Like, Nick Fury had the head sock. Nick Fury had it. And it's, like, I never really understood. It's, like, made it. room for his eye patch. <laughs> right. And I, I guess I just don't uh, I don't know if it was, like, uh, you know, design-wise, if they just thought it, like, shaped the head nicer. It was very, very confusing piece of fabric. It's, I, it's I don't know I've ever seen I feel like, I feel like any time he drew a Black Ops team, yes. they all wore that head sock. Yes. And it, it, it it's a perplexing because I, I don't know that I've ever encountered a head sock in real life. You know, it's like, I don't know if those exist. You no, know, there are times in Chicago winters. I'm like, I want a head sock because I've already because I've just done my hair and I don't want to squish it down in a hat. Sure. But but my face is cold and my ears are cold. But I got to talk to people like I, I would like a head sock. Although yeah. now That's what Gambit was doing. Well, now in these days of covid, the neck gate neck gator is becoming a big thing. The what? The neck gaiter, where you wear, it's a scarf that you can pull up over your, uh, over your oh, nose. And, so it's kind of like a cobra ninja thing. Yeah. And uh, everybody's printing stuff. Apparently, the most popular one is it, uh, is a Dark Knight Rises Bane. It's like a Tom Hardy Bane neck gaiter that you can pull over your face. Oh wow. There, it's sold out everywhere. But yeah. there's like a Spider Man one that's like Spider Man up to the nose. There's a Batman one which is just a fake face. Because that's the one part of Batman's mask that's not a mask. Right, right, yeah. Which is why I so I so want to see some stupid guy show up socially distancing in a Batman mask. Right. You said wear a mask. It's not covering the one part you're supposed to cover. Yeah, he wouldn't get it. We're all supposed to look like Cobra, not Batman. Right. <clears throat> and that and you know what that guy would say in response? MAGA. Release the Snyder Cut. Release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> same same uh, group of people, I bet. So was there anybody in in this uh, Marvel Legends that you felt like cracking on? Not Old Man Hawkeye? No, I don't particularly care for Old Man Hawkeye. I read the series. It was okay. But, uh, you know, I don't really go for, um, I don't know, older disgruntled versions of <laughs> Characters that are supposed to be like idealistic. Um, no, I, I, uh, I'm excited that you're getting them, <laughs> uh, so that I can live vicariously through you. Um, but I, uh, there's nobody in this set I'm, I'm, I'm uh, gonna crack on. I'm all in on the Spidey retros, including the exclusives. So I pre-ordered the set and I pre-ordered Kingpin, and I'll probably go back and pre-order Mysterio. Uh, the other thing they teased at the end, it looked like they teased a Sebastian Shaw. They showed just a foot. Which mm-hmm. is the kind of thing they did. They sh- uh, at in San Diego they showed like an Invisible Woman w- before she came out. They showed Phoenix before she came out. Uh, so they showed a foot, and immediately people on um I had no idea what it was because it looked like a like a pirate guy food? from the Amer- yeah a guy from the American Revolution. Yeah. And then people were immediately like it's Sebastian Shaw, and they were showing like the handbook to the Marvel Universe. I'm like, yeah, he's wearing those shoes. And yeah. then, um. He pulled. He said they're doing the biggest build a figure they've ever done, but they didn't see said what it is. And then he pulled out the sculpt for a leg. It was a robot leg that was like at least 18 inches tall. So the rumor is that Haslab, which is the part of the website um, where they put really expensive things and then try to Kickstarter it, much like Spawn. Right. They made a, like a three foot jab of sale barge for the three and three quarter figures a couple of years ago. They haven't done anything for Marvel. So the rumor is that leg is part of Master Mold. Mm-hmm. So it would be like three times the size of the Sentinels, which are already about two feet tall. Yeah. that's Which means it. it would be uh, a costume oh. that you could wear right. and then stand <laughs> in my collection. It's as tall as your kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see. I uh, Sebastian Shaw's awesome. So uh, they never um, made him either. I remember in the '90s, right? Especially when they did the Dark Phoenix saga, I was like, "Oh, great! Well, I get Hellfire figures." And the only one we ever got was Emma Frost. Yeah, and I think it's like about time they kind of get around to making some of these other goons. Uh, the problem is, is, you know, with always these things is sculpt reuses. There's not a lot of use for a guy that dresses like a English ninny. <laughs> uh, you know, you make one of them. He's the only guy that does it. You can maybe you reuse the body for the cyborg guy. 
Do you know there's oh, that? Oh, yeah. It's some, yeah, basically some other members of the Hellfire Club. Oh, that's the other thing. But then one of um, them's the big fat guy, you know? Yeah, here's another thing that I'm, that I'm going to tempt you with. Uh, right now, you can buy um, Hydra Builder figures. I, or rather, Hydra Army Builders. You can buy as many Hydra guys as you want. And now they've announced that they're going to do that with AIM. So you can buy as many AIM and Hydra soldiers as you want to. Yeah. Um, they said, we're going, we're going to do another one that's never been done before. So the rumor is, with Sebastian Shaw coming out, it'll be the Hellfire Guard, which are basically the SNM mannequins that John Byrne oh, designed. yeah. I so, like those guys, because they look like robots, but they're not. Right, yeah. Wolverine likes them for the same reason. Yeah, he just cuts right through them. Yeah. Those I'll totally buy. Uh, you think you can hold off on Aim and Hydra? Yeah, I, uh, I'm, Aim and Hydra are great bad guys. Uh, I'm not, I don't go in too much for the army building. Um, they're awesome to see, but, um, no, I think I'm more apt to get like a Kang when they make a good Kang, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, I want a good, you know, villain. It's been a long time since they made a Kang. I think they're due. Yeah. Then that's kind of what I always wait for is I never want to get the older versions of the figures cause they're, they're, the quality is ridiculously terrible. Yeah. Um, but the the new stuff has looked so good. It's like, what's well, worth waiting? They will make him eventually. It's inevitable. You just um, never know when. It, there's there, in terms of the comic guys, there seems to be no real set plan. It's like, why do we have Spymaster in the <laughs> in this last set? Yeah, and I think a guy like Spymaster is easy, right? Because it's like it's not a complicated costume. It's a, no, it's basically it's basically Spider Man with different paint on him. Right. With Kang, it's there's like a lot more sculpting that goes into the tunic and the helmet yeah. and everything. You know, so I think when it's something where it's, you know, a little bit more complex, it takes a little longer. But um, I wasn't getting figures two years ago, so I can easily wait, you know, as long as it takes. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I have been impressed that you've turned down many A-listers because you and I were talking. And I'm like, well, you have to get Spider-Man. He's Spider-Man. And you're like, no, I'm not getting Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man was an Avenger. Yeah, sure. I no disagreeing there. Uh, I think what a big part of it for me specifically is like I had a Spider-Man action figure when I was a kid. I had many Spider-Man action figures. So I, I've kind of like uh, I've uh, I know the feeling, you know, I don't need to recapture that. I've never had a Black Knight action figure before or a Hawkeye action figure before or a really good Captain America or Iron Man or Thor. So uh, it's the, the getting figures that have never been made or that I've never had. Um, that look really good is, uh, you know, it's the goal here. Yeah. That's what keeps me in because I mean, in the nineties, I, I did have the Captain America and Iron Man and all Fantastic Four and all those sets. But when a spy master comes out, I'm like, they've never made spy master. Right. There's a, there's a certain thrill when it's like, oh, you guys are going to make the great gargoyle. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, these guys are morons. Well, there's always, a. my action figure collection, it's always kind of making up for lost time because I grew up. I grew up at the really the beginning of the action figure industry. I grew up with mostly Star Wars, and there were and Migos were already done. There just there was Superpowers and Secret Wars when I was about twelve, but those didn't last. They came and went. And when I became a hardcore comic reader, those figures were gone. And I'm like, I would read these books every month, and be like, man, I wish there was a Magneto. I wish there was a Nightcrawler. And by the time those came out, I was still a comic reader. I still am. But I was no longer playing with toys. But when I, I remember very clearly, I went to the mall to see Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, which, by the way, is such a forgotten movie that I almost said Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Oh, yeah, that's uh, that's definitely what I was thinking when you said that. Yeah, the Mel Brooks one. No, the, the Kevin Costner one, I left there, walked to the mall, went to KB, and this was the days before fan press and saw there was a Nightcrawler in KB. And just grabbed him. Yeah. And I'm like 18, so I'm like, what am I going to do with this? And he just stayed on a shelf, but that was 30 years ago. Yeah. And I'm still doing it. You know, I got Spymaster. Live on a shelf, uh, you know, but it's cool to see him. I'm a very big, uh, I I don't sit still too well. So when I'm on the phone, which I'm on the phone a lot more these days than I previously was, I wander around the apartment like lunatic and I'm typically holding one of the figures and posing them. And it's just like, uh, it's something occupy the mind. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I'm doing that right now. I'm, I'm sitting still because I have the recording microphone, but I've been posing a spawn for the entire hour. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's great. All right. So did, uh, did on Instagram real quick. You mentioned Secret Wars. <laughs> Somebody I don't know who posted this. I'll try to find it. But they they posted like the commercial for the Secret Wars action figures. You ever see this? I don't remember it. I'm sure I saw it back then. I'll see if I yeah. can send it to you. I yes, um, I'll post it on the Facebook page. Who posted it? If I can find it, I will. Oh, it's I did. I just found it. <laughs> okay, I can Please, play po- if you want to hear po- it. Po- no, post it directly to the Facebook page. Okay. And if you want to see the commercial, um, now that started me down a rabbit hole. Now we have to find the Kinder Superpowers commercial. Oh, and I've seen that before. Something that is burned into my brain. The original Raiders of the Lost Ark figures, which had so had so many continuity errors, like it starts and it's all of those commercials were like kids playing in a fake backyard that had everything. Okay. Like it had sticks and a river and a. And a but I remember the Indiana Jones like started with Indiana Jones working for Tote and then he betrayed him. I'm like, well, this would never happen. Right. <laughs> I'm like nine and I'm like. I'm like, you guys don't know what you're talking about. But, yeah, it's easy to go down a rabbit hole of those commercials so quickly. G.I. Joe were great commercials because before they started doing the cartoon, they would only do new animation in the commercials. And they looked so expensive. Yeah. In fact, I was – they talk about this in Toys That Made Us on G.I. Joe. They – couldn't afford to do an animated series right away because they didn't know if it was going to be a hit. So all they could afford to do was a Marvel comic, and the toys weren't ready, so it was the first time they'd ever done a television commercial for a Marvel comic. And it's all animated, and they animate the plot that's in that book. Wow. And that was like before the toys came out, and it was a way to like tease the toys. And yeah, they're uh, still really good. And so basically when they decided to do an animated series, they were just like, we already have the character designs. We already know what the budget's going to be. Let's just make more of these. And then they made yeah. hundreds more of them. We got the, uh, when the X-Men cartoon came out, we must have rented that videotape from the, you know, Blockbuster or whatever. Pride of the X-Men? Uh, that one and maybe probably one or two of the episodes from the show. And they had before the show started they had a commercial for the x-men action figures and i just remember seeing all these like figures and being like holy shit look at there's juggernaut that Sinestro, uh mr sinister that everybody you're just like uh it was like plastic crack you know what i mean it's like we couldn't even wait to get to a toy store to try to find them i mean we're at a point now with covid where um there haven't been paper comics in a couple of months uh i'm getting some digitally i've cut way down in even my graphic novels um, not buying a lot of movies online. Uh, my collecting is probably as small as it's ever been, but like I said, I, I saw a new set of Spider-Man, pre-order them. I went on eBay and got some spawns from the 90s. Like, I'm never going to stop collecting action figures. Yeah. So, uh, so Stephen, if people want to find you online and tell you why you need to buy more Marvel Legends... <laughs> How can they get in touch with you? You can try finding me on Instagram if you want to try to convince me. I won't listen, but by all means, uh, I'm available at the Brave Butter Pecan on Instagram. Um, that's I think you you can try searching Stephen Brown on Facebook. But good luck. <laughs> you know, there's there's millions of us. I'm sick of recording uh, individual intros and outros. So how do you find the show? You, do you it. can find the show at Spotify, Stitcher, and iTunes. Um, we are proud members of the uh, Radio Misfits Podcast Network under the Lifestyle tab. And you can find me at Not On My Book on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, um, sorry, you can find Instagram and Twitter. The show is on Facebook, facebook.com slash comics, where Stephen is right now posting a commercial for Mattel Secret Wars. No pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to figure this out, but I'll get it. And we will talk to you next week.